Well, hey, everybody. I am excited that this is the second week of December. And uh, as you know, being in December kind of gets us all in a Christmas mood. And so I actually reached out to my uh, wife recently and I said, hey, listen, I would be interested in helping with Christmas decorations. And if you know me, you know I'm either sick, something's wrong. Like, why would I ask that? Because that's not my thing. And, uh, and she, actually, she actually told me, Eric, you don't have to because I want to be in a good mood when this is over. And uh, I said, babe, I love you. I'm going to go watch football. So uh, that's the way it's going to work. So, hey, thanks for being here today. Um, so I want to kind of pose the question to you, and I want us to think about how good of a friend you are. How good of a friend am I to, to the people in my life? How good of a friend are the people that, that you are to and the people in your life? And I felt like the best way to do this is take a little friendship quiz together that uh, I'm going to ask you some questions and you can kind of tell me I'm an A friend, B friend, C friend. So indulge me just for a minute as we take a little friendship quiz. So a good friend will help you move. A best friend will A, help you move repeatedly. If you've got a friend that helps you move repeatedly, you are blessed. I want to know who that person is. B, a good friend will help you move. A best friend will B, let you borrow their truck to move. Now, they're not going to show up, but you can have their truck, and that'll be good enough for them. A good friend will help you move. A best friend will C, dude, stop moving. Like, Seriously, stop moving. You're taking advantage of me, dude. So, so A, B, C. So you can kind of define where you are in that little thing there. Uh, next question. I knew we were going to be best friends because A, we both hate the same stuff. Like I hate Duke too. Right? And like you find out other people who hate Duke and you're like, yes, you're my best friend. Like, you, you, you may not have anything else in common, but the fact that you hate Duke together, you're best friends, right? So I knew we were going to be best friends because, A, we both hate the same stuff. B, we are both too lazy to find new ones. <laughs> I just don't have it in me to go, go around and find another friend. You just kind of stay here, and let's just do that. I knew we were going to be best friends because, C, both of us are the bad influence, we are the people our mothers warned us about, and we found ourselves because we're both dead inside, and we like it like that. Um, <clears throat> next question. As your friend, remember that if you fall, I will always, A, pick you up after I call 911 because I take care of my friends. Such a sweet, nice person is friend A. That is a wonderful person. As your friend, rem remember that if you fall, I will always B, pick you up after laughing at you. Y'all ever walk, been walking with a friend or your spouse and they stumble and slip in public and you laugh at them? That, that's, that's kind of funny, but we probably shouldn't do that. Uh, so as your friend, remember that if you fall, I will always let her see. Post the video of your fall on my Facebook and Insta story. When they're on the ground, you just kind of, hey, smile for the camera, you know, it's kind of funny. All right, last uh, question. If you call my best friend your best friend, A, I will hug you. We can always use one more friend. This person's Pollyanna. I really want to know uh, person A. If you call my best friend your best friend, C, I mean, uh, B, seriously, no. No, it's not going to happen. If you call my best friend your best friend, let her C, I have a very specific set of skills. 
I will look for you and I will find you. So as you think about if you're a letter A, letter B, letter C, if you're letter A, you're a wonderful person. I, I want to know you. I want your cell number and we'll have coffee. That'd be fun. B, you've got potential. C, you need therapy. And I know a therapist uh, who can help you. So, but, but this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about friendship. We're talking about relationships because these are the things that make life special. These are the things that make life powerful and enjoyable. And I think if you will listen, and if I will listen to what God wants to share with us today, I think it could change our life. And so here's the, this next quote that I want to unpack with you. Here's the tension around having friendships. Because we want the benefit of having a friend without the work of being one. Like a lot of us, if you were to ask us, yeah, I want friends. Yeah, that'd be kind of nice. We want the benefit of having a friend, but without the work of being one. And it doesn't mean that we don't want to put in the work of being one. It's not that we're necessarily against it, but we may have this proclivity toward thinking they're optional. You know, friendships are optional. I was talking to a friend one time who recently said, man, I got my family. That's pretty much all I do. I'm like, Really? Interesting. So they're optional to you. And some people I've met, and Eric, I just don't really know how to make friends. I'm just not, you know, in school it was easy and we were all together and we had things in common and, you know, that kind of thing. But now when I start, you know, get out of college or high school and start working and it's a little bit different and it's a little bit more difficult and I just either don't know how or kind of struggle. And so we want the benefit of having a friend but not always uh, put, uh, willing to put in the work of being one. And here's where it really gets tricky for us, y'all, is when this is our reality in our life and then pain hits. And then pain hits. You get sick. Something devastating happens to your family. Uh, an opportunity you want, it doesn't happen, and now you're just in a bad place. And you feel lonely. And when we are lonely, we are susceptible to all of our insecurities and weaknesses in those moments. We're not thinking clearly when we're lonely. We're not at our best when we're in a bad place with no one around us. We're susceptible to all kinds of crazy things. If we were each lonely, you could put us in a situation and there's no end to what we, the bad decisions that we could make because we didn't have good people around us trying to help us. And I just want to just encourage all of you that are in your 30s dealing with anxiety for the first time. Hey, welcome to the club. You're not crazy. We're all in this together. And, and then, then what happens is, you know, when, if we haven't put the work in with friendships and we hit these spots in our life where it's like, oh my gosh, it'd really be nice to have the encouragement of a friend at this point in my life. Then if, if, that's, if that's not there, then we get cynical. And then cynicism sets in. And we start looking at everybody who does maybe have a friend. Oh, they're not really friends. I've had friends turn on me, and it's, it's not really what it's cut out to be. And I can put in all the work I want to, but it's not going to pay off. And it's just, not, it's, just, it's just not worth the effort of doing it because I tried that. Oh, and I, I, I thought I had this friendship, and it didn't end well. 
Well, I mean, when you go to a bad doctor, you don't stop going to the doctor. You go to another doctor. Like find somebody else, right? So, so don't get cynical in the process because here's why. We all want to be known. We all want to know others and be known. We all want to love others and be loved. And we all want to post about others and be posted about. It's just the reality. And I feel like God has a way of helping us and encouraging us in our life. And he has this specific means that he's provided where if we can grasp onto this and if we can learn this, it will change our life like nothing else can. It'll change our life like nothing else can. So God had come to a point in history where, um, as you know, um, God spoke to a man named Abraham a long time ago, and he said, Abraham, married to Sarah, hey, I'm, I'm going to start a people group out of you, which was crazy because they were already old. And he said, I'm going to start a whole nation from just you guys. And they're like, how can this be? Because we're so old and we can't have kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. God says, I'm going to make it happen. Don't worry about it. So fast forward, I'm way over simplify, uh, simplifying this, but fast forward hundreds and hundreds of years, and we have the nation of Israel. We don't know why God chose the nation of Israel throughout history. When, when, when we get to heaven, you can ask him that. But he just chose that nation. I'm going to use that nation to be a priest to the Gentiles. We're Gentiles if you're not Jewish. And so he says, I, you're going to be my messengers throughout the world, and I'm going to use you. And here's how God talked to his people. He said, hey, prophets, I'm going to use you to be my voice to my people. So if you look in the Old Testament, you see lots of books like Elijah, Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Haggai, Malachi, and all kinds of names that I'm still struggling to pronounce to this day. Those were all major and minor prophets that God used to speak to his people to say, hey, here's what I want you to do. Here's what will be helpful for you and your nation, and here's the wisdom that you need, and here's how I want you to live. And they, God would tell the prophet that, and then the prophet would go to the people, and he would say, hey, people, I heard from God, and here's what we need to do. So fast forward to the New Testament, and God says, you know what? I'm going to change that relationship all around. I'm no longer going to ask people who are prophets to intercede for me to the people. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to show up myself to people and let them know how much I care about them and want a relationship with them. And there's no longer going to be something in between me or someone in between me and them. So 700 years, get this, y'all, 700 years before Jesus is born, Isaiah, one of the prophets of the Old Testament, has this prophecy or what we would call a prediction. And 700 years before Jesus is even born, and here's what Isaiah says. <clears throat> he says, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin Mary will conceive a child, Jesus, and she will give birth to a son, Jesus, and will call him Emmanuel. Now, that was a title given to him, which means, this powerful phrase, God is with us. No longer speaking through prophets, He's here. So Isaiah is saying 700 years before Christ, 
uh, is ever born. This is, this is going to happen. God is going to be with us at some point in history. And then we get to the New Testament. Now, the last book of uh, the Old Testament is Malachi. first book of the New Testament is Matthew. Matthew was actually uh, a contemporary of Jesus. His life was changed because of Jesus' ministry, and he writes the book of Matthew. And so, anyway, what we have going on between Malachi and Matthew is there were 400 years where God was silent. He didn't say anything. To a prophet. And then he breaks the silence and he sends an angel, you may know his name, Gabriel. And Gabriel comes to a couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they're old in age. The Bible actually says they were very old. And uh, Zechariah is a priest in the temple, and Elizabeth's at home, and Gabriel comes to Zechariah and says, you're going to have a son. And this son is going to announce the coming of Jesus, and you know him as John the Baptist. Now, we don't call him John the Baptist because he was a Baptist or a Southern Baptist. We call him John the Baptist because he was John the Baptizer. And so what he would do is he would go all throughout the, the, the Jordan River region, and he, went, uh, he would announce, hey, the kingdom of God is here. You need to repent. And so the people would come to the river, and he would dip them. Baptize means to dip, like we just did. And so he would dip them back in the water, and then up, and that represented old life done, new life, and God. And so the Gabriel also says, John is going to be the guy who prepares the way for Jesus. Make, you know, prepare the way of the Lord kind of a speech in the wilderness. So then, so Gabriel does that. They're all excited because she, you know, she, she, she could not conceive. And as you can imagine, for a woman in that day and time who couldn't conceive the shame that she felt as a woman, God takes that away. And then, and then Gabriel, uh, uh, later on, just a little while later on, uh, appears to Mary. And he says, Mary, you are going to, and Elizabeth and Mary are cousins. This is interesting. Mary, he says, Mary, you are going to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Say what? No, it's going to be from the Holy Spirit. And uh, his name will be Jesus. And his name means to deliver or to rescue. And isn't it interesting that uh, when you read the New Testament, when you read how God changes people and does new things. Isn't it interesting that the, the people that God chose to use were the people that were being born into these families and God was entrusting these adults to raise these children to change the world? And have you thought about the fact that your most significant act, just a sideline thought, may be that the person you are raising may change the world. Interesting. Just a sideline thought. So uh, we get to the fact that uh, God says, Mary, uh, Jesus is going to come through you. And uh, now we get to this powerful song 
This O Holy Night song that we sing all the time, and it's just laced with some wonderful, wonderful um, descriptors of how much Jesus loves us and what this God with us uh, terminology really means. And and this is the uh, verses of the song. I love this. The King of Kings lay thus in lowly manger, and all our trials born to be our, what's that word? Friend. Born to be our friend. Whoa, 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 whoa. You and I read that and go, yeah, yeah, born to be our friend. Well, that's the context we know. But if you were to go back to people who, God didn't relate to people as their friend per se. Abraham, he did. But other people in the Old Testament That wasn't really the context of the kind of relationship God had with people. Now we come to the New Testament. He says, born to be our friend. He knows our need to our weakness is no stranger. I love this, this, these descriptors of Jesus. Who wouldn't want to have a friend like that? And here's what I think Jesus is telling us. As our friend, I think Jesus says that you are important to me. Your children, your grandchildren, your business, your health, your dating relationships, your education and where you're going for school, the decisions you're making right now in your life, your staff that you work with, your family, all of this, you are important to me, is what I think Jesus would say. For some of us, that's brand new information. Second of all, I think Jesus says, I feel your pain. When you feel pain, so do I. And as a matter of fact, I felt so much pain, it was pain unto death. So I know what pain feels like. And third of all, he says, I understand your struggle. I know that life is hard. I know that things don't always turn out the way that we thought they were. And as we get older, we have to fight the fact of not becoming cynical in the struggle. And what I love about my relationship with Jesus, and I think what I think you would love about your relationship with Jesus, and if you don't know this, I hope you soon will, is that the wonderful thing about having a relationship with Christ is the fact that when you get into situations where you feel like I'm in pain and I'm hurting, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to solve this or how to get through this, Jesus comes to us and he says, I understand. Have you ever been meeting with somebody across the table and you're talking with them about how just rough your week was and, or rough a situation has been in your life and they look back at you and they say, I understand. There is something about that phrase, about that what we call empathy, that we go, Somebody understands me. Somebody understands me. And that's so, so powerful. So knowing that Jesus wants to communicate to us that we're important to him, and knowing that we go through all kinds of pain in our life, that that's just a part of life, and knowing that he understands our struggle, what medium, what way would God choose to bring comfort and leadership and direction and help to us, knowing that this is what we go through. And here's how I would bottom line this. And if you forget anything I say, I want you to remember this next statement. God 
His friendship, God's friendship is expressed through providential relationships. This is what God with us means. This is what the Isaiah the prophet was communicating. He said, God is with you. You don't have to go through anybody to get to God anymore because of Jesus. He is our mediator. So you don't have to go through a certain person, a church, anything. You go straight to Jesus. He's our mediator because God is with us now. So God's friendship is expressed through providential relationships. In these providential relationships, the first one begins with your relationship with Jesus. And it changes the trajectory of the way that you think and what you do and where you work and the friends that you have and how you invest your life and your big decisions and what you do with your money. It affects everything. It is the single most relationship that affects every domain and dimension of your life the most. It's the first providential relationship. The second group of providential relationships are those probably two to five people you have in your life that you know that you trust them so much that you can be open with. And here's what characterizes providential relationships. What characterizes them is positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. You know you've got a, a, a providential relationship if you've got positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. And it doesn't mean that all these relationships are always positive. And it doesn't mean that you're always talking about positive stuff. It just means that they are, they are, um, they are just uh, the, the posture of the relationship is, the, is there is hope. And we encourage each other in this relationship to be positive regardless of what we're going through. The second thing is they are consistent. We calendar them. The third thing is they're vulnerable and we're open with them. This is what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. When we have a relationship with Jesus, there's hope, there's positivity. There's hope that tomorrow can be better than today. There's consistency. I'm not ever going, God, are you here? Are you not here? There's consistency and there's vulnerability. And what I love about this word right here is that Jesus told his disciples at a certain point in his life, he said, I've told you everything the father told me to tell you. And you're my friends. I no longer call you slaves. I don't call you anything like that. I call you my friends because I've been vulnerable and I've been open with you. And I've told you everything that you need to hear to move forward from this moment. In your relationship with Jesus, these three characteristics are woven throughout our relationship with Jesus all the time. And not only that, but they're woven throughout our relationships with the other people that God has brought into our life. So I've noticed that we can have two types of relationships in our life. And we have two buckets for them, into which I would call situational and, and, and uh, providential. Situational relationships are, hey, I need you. I'm going to call you, and I need you. But after I need you, I'm probably not going to call you. I'm going to need you because you're going to provide a service for me or help me with something, but we're not going to go grab coffee together. Does, does that make sense? Like, you have a situational relationship with the plumber, Right? 
hey, you know, you call your plumber because your toilet's not working or your sink's not working, your shower's not working. If you call your plumber and ask him to go to lunch, that'd be just kind of weird, right? So you have situational relationships in your life. Unfortunately, ah, we treat God this way. God, I got a situation. We got ourselves a situation, Lord, and I need you to show up big. And sometimes in our life, that is how our relationship with God starts. But if that's where it stays, we miss the warmth and the depth of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. So you need situational relationships in your life. These aren't bad. But if this is all you have, I want you to think long and hard about moving to the next level. And the next level is providential relationships. These are relationships that characterize positivity, consistency, and the vulnerability in the people that you're going to do life with. You know, I'm a, um, not only am I an executive pastor here at the summit, but uh, I'm a leadership coach for business and ministry people. And one of the things that I find as I'm talking to leaders uh, across the table having coffee is that I find that leaders are very, very lonely. And I find that they very often don't have a safe space for somebody to talk to. They don't often have that safe space where they can be transparent with people about what's going on in their life. And I notice that when I give people the dignity of listening to what's going on in their life, they just open up. And they just share with me stuff that really I haven't even earned the right to even hear some of the things coming out of their mouth. But I, I find that when I give people the dignity of listening to them, people open up. This is what God does for us in this providential relationship. He gives us dignity by listening to us. Do you have three to four people in your life that you trust uh, that are these providential relationships that are really a huge spark of your spiritual growth in your life? Like you can be honest, you can be real, but there's also something very powerful to them because they don't let you stay there. They don't let you stay there. So the other thing I want to challenge you to do is I want to, I want to challenge you to, inv- to take an inventory of the kind of people that you have around you. Take an inventory of the kind of people that are closest to you on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. Because I love this quote by John Maxwell, and I think it's so wonderful. I, I, I study this and read this and use this all the time. Who you are is who you attract. If you want to attract better people, become the kind of person you desire to attract. Who you are is who you attract. If you want to attract better people, become the kind of person you desire to attract. Think about the people in your network of friendships and relationships. Because like attracts like. And whoever you are, you're attracting. So if you're not real comfortable and you're not crazy about a lot of the people that are in your life, how do you need to change? How do you need to change to become the person you desire to attract? And, and, and this, is an, this, is an easy, this is an easy little test. So, so, so here's what you do. <clears throat> All right, so on, on a, just take out a sheet of paper, 
and just go, hey, I want some friends. You can also do this if you're looking for a spouse, or if you're looking an employee of your organization. You can do all, all kinds of things. So I don't know if y'all can see this, but uh, it says friends at the top. And then down the left side, it says, hey, here's the character qualities I want in a friend. Kind, trustworthy, smart, sense of humor, godly values, considerate, helpful, and I just put attractive for funny. I just thought that'd be funny. And the question that I want you to ask yourself on the right side of the page is, can I attract someone like this? Can you? Because if you are not those qualities, you're not going to attract those people. And so the best way for you to go, hey, if I want to start stepping into these providential relationships, I need to start taking a long inventory of myself to go, is that the kind of person that I can be? And how do I need to change? So I want to finish up with this, and I want to land the plane this way, because I feel like Jesus offers you and I some gifts this Christmas that I, that I think can be very powerful. The first gift that I think he offers to, to, to you and me this Christmas is, number one, he shows up in our peak moments. You've got peak moments right now in your life, whether you know it or not. Something positive is happening. Something good is happening. You've got your health. You've got your family. You've got a job. Things are up and to the right. You're excited about life. There's some, there's some peak things happening that you can look at and go, yeah, that's, that's really awesome. I'm excited about that. Invite Jesus into those moments and be grateful for the peak moments in your life because it's not always going to be that way, right? The second phase is I want you to invite Jesus this Christmas, wherever you find yourself, if you find yourself in a pit. I'm just like, I just feel like I'm in a pit. I just feel like I'm on one of those treadmills that's not going anywhere, and I don't know how to get out of this. And it's, it's disturbing, I'm stressful, I'm anxious, I don't know what to do. And Jesus says, because God is with us, he says, I'm with you in the pit. And where in the peak, I'll celebrate with you. In the pit, I promise to carry you. And in our transitions of life where, hey, we move or we're taking care of our aging parents or uh, we have children that we're now responsible for, then we need to make sure, hey, we're paying for college or we're trying to get healthier or we're trying to, what's that new job I need to be thinking about or we're, uh, you, know, tr- you know, thinking about a, some sort of transition in our life. Jesus says, my role in that for you is I want to celebrate here, I want to carry you here, and I want to calm you here. And I want to challenge you as you think about those people in your life that could be those providential relationships that God has put there. Because, I mean, think about it. Jesus had Peter, James, and John. Paul had Titus, Timothy, Barnabas. And now, you know, we have the Spirit of God because Jesus is not limited by his humanity. But even they had a several group of people that they were closer to. Who are the people in your life who are experiencing peak moments and you could celebrate them right now? Guys, I want to share from my heart that if you can do this, you are the, one of the most secure and loving people out there.
Many of us can't do this because we're insecure and we're jealous. Well, I didn't get it. If you can do this, I find that God can trust you more and more and more because this represents humility. Who's in a pit in your life? And how could you carry them this December? Who's going through something so heartbreaking or so hurtful or they're just confused where you could come around and you could say, hey, I just want to carry you for a while. And maybe you don't say it like that. But. And then who's going through a transition, right? I mean, who's had one baby? And then they've had another baby. Then, the, then they've had baby number three. Then they've had baby number four. Then they just need to stop having babies, right? Like, who's going through all that transition where your role in their life could be, hey, I just want to be a part of the calm in all this storm. I just want to be part of the calm. One of my favorite quotes in the world is when uh, Dale Dale Carnegie said that uh, you can get more, you can get, you can find more friends in two months by being interested in them than you can in two years by trying to get people interested in you. Your providential relationships in your life will come when you take a posture of being able to go, I want to show up in a peak and a pit and a transition. My mom and dad celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary uh, uh, this past August, and Cretia and I wanted to throw my parents an anniversary party and uh, man, it was just it was awesome. And so I'm at this party and I'm seeing everybody, you know, family's got to come because they feel responsible. But family's got to come. But I'm looking at their friends that showed up and friends that I've known for 30 years are at this party. And here's what I noticed as we're having a toast and we're laughing and talking about old memories. Here's what I noticed. These friends they've had for 30 years went through peaks and pits and transitions with my parents and it galvanized their relationships for years to come. And I sat there and during the toast I went, those are the kind of friendships I want to have in my life. Providential relationships. What if, imagine if our lives were guided by our relationship with Jesus and a few select people who could give us wisdom along life's way. I think it can make a different uh, trajectory in a lot of our lives. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for my friends that are here and those watching. And uh, Lord, we recognize the fact that sometimes relationally we're on the struggle bus. And uh, for various reasons, sometimes we don't know that we need friends. Sometimes we struggle with making friends for various reasons. And God, help us to accept a posture of, of, of serving and helping people during their peak, pit, and transition moments. And watch you open doors for providential relationships to happen over time because you will use those relationships to encourage and inspire and comfort because those are the relationships where you communicate, God, that you are with us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.